when you're out walking, number one, you have no other choice but to focus on the act of walking and, and seeing people and noticing things, you know, within your space. And so that's a, that's a practice of mindfulness. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Walk & Talk. This week, we're going to go for a walk with Megan Humphrey. Megan is a licensed professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist at the Texas Department of Public Safety. She serves as a regional manager for the Victim Employee Support Services Division, and in her role, she provides counseling services to state troopers, and she oversees a team of people that do this important work for the state of Texas. On our walk, specifically, I asked Megan to talk about loneliness, which is a growing public health concern that affects all of us, either directly or indirectly. And it's especially important right now as we are 14 months into a global pandemic. So on this walk, Megan's going to break down for us how loneliness affects our mental and physical health. She's going to talk to us about ways we can detect feelings of loneliness in ourselves and understand why we're feeling those things. And she's going to give us ways that we can actually establish and create meaningful connection. Quick spoiler alert, going out in large groups of people and social media are not the best ways to create meaningful connection. So you're going to learn a lot on this walk, and you're going to also learn that what you're doing right now, going out for a walk, is one of the best ways to establish a good, meaningful connection. So wherever you are, I hope you enjoy today's walk as much as I enjoyed recording this conversation with Megan Humphrey. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Of course. And yeah, it's pretty cool that we can walk and talk together and not actually be in the same place. <laughs> I know. It is yeah. fantastic. Thank goodness we have things like this during this yeah. time. It's important. Thank goodness for technology. So yeah. um, can you tell us where you're walking? Yeah. So I'm walking behind my house. We have this beautiful trail, and it goes all the way to a pond. So I've got my 16-year-old lab with me. Aww. And we're just walking. Yeah, it's beautiful. Great. It is. It's a lovely spring day. Yes. I think uh, we're very lucky to have this nice weather. Well, I know that we have this webinar coming up in mm-hmm. May. Uh, we're talking about mental health awareness. And yes. I asked you to do this uh, this webinar for me, and I thought how perfect it would be to also record a walk and talk with you and talk about the topic that you're going to be speaking on, which is loneliness. Yes. Loneliness has been recognized as and public health issue. Um, yeah. Our former Surgeon General has written a book about it, mm-hmm. you know, and I know there's research that actually shows that loneliness is more detrimental to our health than smoking and not exercising. Exactly. And you read that as well? Smoking 15, it's comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Meaning that's the health effects that come from loneliness um, are com- comparable to that, which is quite astounding, I think. And also obesity, you know, extreme obesity. Wow. Mm-hmm. So being lonely is a major concern. And it's so interesting to me, Megan, how can we be lonely when there's so many ways to connect right now? What is happening? Yeah. In your opinion? Great, great question. So like you said, this has been epidemic um, for, you know, many, many years. I think people started studying this in the early 2000s. And what they were finding back then, prior to the pandemic, is that it was generally the older population. And what's happened recently with the pandemic is really interesting is it's switched. It's actually more, it's actually affecting 
the younger population, meaning like older teens and early 20s, more so than it is the older population. And so I'm really interested to see more data, you know, when it comes out. But Mm -hmm. um, there was this really big study in 2018 prior to the pandemic regarding loneliness. And of course, it, it basically said that almost three in five adults over the age of 50 were reporting loneliness. And what they found throughout this study is that was really highly correlated with things like heart disease and cancer, high blood pressure. So it really does affect your health. I think the mind and body are very connected. Mm-hmm. I know you believe that too, Lacey. And so, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, and the reason I think that the younger population is experiencing it and the older population was experiencing it and, and they still are is meaningful connection. You know, mm. just because we have all of these social medias and ways to connect with each other virtually and post pictures, you know, that's, it's really not an intense or, or, um, significant connection with people. That's a pretty superficial way in terms of meaningful connection to be with someone in a space. And so I think what most therapists would agree with is we really need to find ways to connect and be our true selves. But Mm -hmm. also we need to find ways to be more mindful and in the moment and, you know, be able to actually feel like our authentic selves. Because what studies have found is you can be in a room full of 50 people and feel extremely alone. I mean, I think that over time, I think adults have become more and more um, achievement driven. Mm -hmm. And so what that, what that does is it really creates this perfectionistic attitude and like, you know, all of our photos on Facebook or social media have to be perfect and our lives have to have this seemingly perfect I don't know, view, and Mm -hmm. it's not authentic. It's just not true. And so what they find is that you can have more um, meaningful connection with a one-on-one conversation with a friend than you can in a room full of 50 people because in a room full of 50 people, you're putting on your best self. Yeah. And you're not being true and authentic. That makes so much sense. You know, when we think about what's happening in the brain, when we use social media, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a neuroscientist, but right, right. from my understanding, when we're on social media, the brain is looking for dopamine. We want yes. that immediate response, which doesn't mm-hmm. actually equate to a connection, which is what we're right. actually trying to, like, we don't complete the cycle, correct? Mm-hmm. That, so we don't that get is, serotonin? That's exactly correct. And so dopamine and serotonin, I'm sure you know, are those feel-good chemicals that we have in our brain. And yes, what we're looking for, you know, they did this study on mice um, and they studied them. Basically there are three chambers and they did find that mice who were isolated, they had a, a huge dopamine increase when they found another mouse in their chamber. And so evolutionarily our brains are wired to seek out connection. And it's because you know, evolutionarily, we we had to survive. And the only way we could survive was through connection and through companionship. And, you know, we were hunter-gatherers. And so we had to work as a community. And so over millions of years, our brains have evolved to really seek that that out. Um, and that's that's why I think 
that's what a lot of people hypothesize is why if we don't have that connection, we start to experience loneliness and a lot of people equate loneliness to hunger. So it's literally oh, like a pain. It's like a pain in your body. Um, and it's your body, just like if you're hungry, your body's going to tell you you're hungry by having stomach pain. And with mm-hmm. loneliness, you're going to have the same kind of message and it's going to come out in lots of different ways in your body. Um, but it is your body trying to tell you, hey, you need to go out there and get connected with someone. So as a therapist, I know you do a lot of um, therapy one-on-one with mm-hmm. people. Yes. If you were working with somebody who is experiencing extreme loneliness, mm-hmm. thing number one, the therapy is helpful because you're connecting with somebody. Yes. But exactly. what do you tell that person? Like, how do you actually identify loneliness in the body? I know for me, yeah. I sort of feel like a well in my chest when I'm feeling lonely. Like I've learned how to recognize yeah. that myself. What are yes. other things people report? How do you, how do you recognize it? Now that is such a good question. And honestly, I think it's great that you've been able to identify that body sensation because that is where it really all starts. A lot of folks these days, maybe always have been pretty disconnected with their bodies. You know, we, we think that loneliness is just in our minds, that it's just a thought but you're right, it does interact with our nervous system, which then creates a bodily sensation. So that can look a lot of different ways. I've had clients tell me that it feels like butterflies or, you know, kind of like a nervous stomach. I've had clients tell me they feel it in their heart um, and that they really it's good. Um, lots of my clients have told me that they feel it in their stomach and they feel it in their head or their heart. And I think it's interesting because that can really kind of be explained by the way that the brain interacts with the body. So if you're feeling nervous or anxious or fearful, you're going to have this cortisol uh, Mm -hmm. boost in your body. And what that does is it actually stops your stomach from digesting. And, you know, it does all sorts of other things that can increase your heart rate. Um, It can make you feel kind of brain foggy. And, And those things really do, that's exactly what I'm hearing in my, my, you know, in the counseling room for my clients is mm-hmm. that's the way it's coming out. And so if you can identify that feeling, I think that's the first step, you know, to being able to say, okay, I'm experiencing this a lot and it's affecting my mental health and I need to seek out some way to, to remedy it. And what then is step two? What would you say yeah. if somebody says, I have these feelings, these yes. sensations, and I, I, need, I know that I need something. Where do we go? Well, and it starts with a lot of, I think, psychoeducation on what true meaningful connection is. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, just go out and get connected. Just go out and meet people. Well, that isn't always going to work because, number one, you have to feel like you can be your true self. You have to feel good about the interaction. And you have to feel like you're understood. And so, you know, I would recommend that people do things that they feel passionate about. So that might be joining a book club. That might be going to an exercise class. That might be, you know, going to an art class. That might just be busting out their old journal, you know, and doing some, mm-hmm. some gratitude journaling. Whatever it is that you know authentically makes you feel more connected to the world or to yourself even, um, those are the things that are going to make the biggest difference. And so um, some things that I've seen work really well for some clients, which I realize not all of these are going to be possible for some folks, um, is getting a pet, 
you know, mm. any type of pet. It doesn't have to be a dog or cat. It could be, you know, a fish or a bird or a small animal of some type that they can have um, a true meaningful connection with. And another thing is volunteering. So we know that when we volunteer, yes, we're doing a good thing, but it also helps us feel better. It also helps us feel better about the world. It gives us hope. Um, and it kind of, it, it connects us to the community as well. Mm. And you're kind of doing a double service there because we know that the elderly population really benefit from, I think they have these, they have like virtual phone calls and all sorts of little groups that you can find on the internet where you can connect with a senior and talk to them oh. once a week. And it's a beautiful thing because it, it helps both people. Really, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my husband's a firefighter, you know this, and a lot of times it's really interesting you say that they will get calls in the middle of the night from a senior with Mm -hmm. a condition that they had during the day, but there's something about in the middle of the night when you're feeling really lonely. Yeah. He feels like, and this is just his own assessment, like they could have Mm -hmm. called at two o'clock in the afternoon, but something Mm -hmm. about the sun goes down and we feel alone. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, you're you're calling out and you're reaching out for that support. So I love the idea of connecting with our seniors. So many Mm -hmm. of them are isolated, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think we saw during the winter storm, it was so terrible. People Mm -hmm. were doing so much to reach out and connect with people. And I never felt so connected to my community as I did during that storm. Exactly. (laughs) Me too. Same, same. Our, Our neighborhood. My goodness, they went above and beyond. People were, you know, getting goods and supplies, risking driving to save people who were living alone. I mean, it was beautiful. It was really great to see My next door neighbor made us bread. We had chicken noodle soup across the street at my other day. I I have not um, ever connected with my neighbors in this neighborhood until that tragedy happened. And it's really interesting how when humans sort of are in dire need, we Mm -hmm. do connect. We and band together. To. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Great example. Can you talk a little bit as we're out on this walk today about how walking can actually help people connect with others? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's a couple things going on, I think, with walking and being out in the world. Number one, when you're walking, what we find is that the brain really likes to focus its attention on one thing. And I think if we're sitting at our computers all day or sitting behind a desk all day, um, we really start to get bogged down. And when you're out walking, number one, you have no other choice but to focus on the act of walking and, and seeing people and noticing things, you know, within your space. And so that's a, that's a practice of mindfulness right there. Yeah, uh, just staying really grounded in this moment of I'm walking down this trail, I see my dog, I can hear the birds, I can mm. smell the dew, you know, like whatever it is, just taking that time to just focus on nothing else but being right here in the moment is hugely beneficial to our mental health. Uh-huh. The second piece to that is something called um, bilateral stimulation. So one of the therapies that I offer is called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's actually a trauma therapy technique. But the basis of it is something that we call BLS or bilateral stimulation. And all that means is you're moving both sides of your body. 
mm-hmm. um, conversely, one after another. I mean, and the act of walking is a perfect form of bilateral stimulation, especially if you focus, you know, on your footfalls, left, right, left, right. What that's yeah is it's actually mimicking REM sleep, which is the rapid eye movement stage of sleep in which you're really kind of processing what happened that day. And so what happens during that stage of sleep is your brain is able to take information and file it into these little folders where it, where it belongs, whether that's long-term or short-term memory. So when you're doing, when you're walking or rocking in a chair, anything like that, it can start to feel soothing. And the reason that is, is because of the bilateral stimulation. So wow. oftentimes, yeah, really simple things like that, that is- you know. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that because yeah. I, I kind of had a little understanding of EMDR, mm-hmm. but I never really put together that walking is sort of mimicking. Yes. Yeah. And if you're doing it while talking to someone, it's even better. Um, because wow. Let's say you're talking about something that was really difficult, like your day. You know, mm-hmm. you had a, a hard day something happened at work and you're talking to your partner or your friend on the phone while doing the bilateral stimulation, basically, you know, you're soothing your nervous system. And so it's a really great, really great tool to use. So everyone who's out walking with us right now, (laughs) you know that you are getting bilateral stimulation. That's right. That's right. A feeling of connection because we're on a walk and talk. I love it. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. And I always try to, I, I make it a goal when I walk past people in my neighborhood to get them yeah. to look me in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um, we don't always do it, but I, yeah. I think it's always kind of like a, a game that I play. Like, can I get this person to say hi? And exactly. I love to help people's dogs, you know, yeah. and just yeah. try to connect people in that I way as it. well. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, that that's, was, that's a meaningful connection right there. Looking people yeah. in the eye. That's it. It's just I love the it. little things. Well, I, I kind of wanted to just wrap up with, um, your thoughts on what can we do sort of moving mm-hmm. forward to establish these meaningful connections. Um, yeah. I, I know social media distracts us from meaningful connection. Would you recommend mm-hmm. people get off their social media? <laughs> or no. take a break? It depends. And, and the reason I say that is some people use social media in a really healthy way and some uh-huh. people use it as a coping skill for that immediate um, kind of rush that you were talking about earlier but it doesn't, again, it doesn't kind of meet the, the purpose of establishing that meaningful connection. And so um, if you use it with true friends and family, you know, and you you don't let it get you distracted by all the negativity in the world, then I would say it's okay. Um, but if yeah. you're like me, I needed to get off of social media altogether because there was so much uh, inundating me with negativity. I already watched the news. You know, I already know about mm-hmm. all the terrible things going on, and I didn't need to see it, I don't know, 20 times a day. And so yes. I have experienced a huge shift in my personal mood ever since getting off of social media. But I will say um, it all depends on your inner thoughts. Yeah. You know, if you if you have a good control over the negative thinking, in your mind, and if you don't let it affect you, then I think I, I think it's a healthy thing to stay okay. connected. But one of the things that really makes people feel even lonelier is this negative view of the world, this negative view of themselves. And so, mm-hmm. in, in counseling, I do a lot of discussion about thinking errors. You know, black and white thinking, like everything is bad, 
or all people are bad or no one likes faith. Those yeah. types of thoughts are really, really dangerous and and can lead to kind of a cyclical pattern in which you end up thinking that all the time. And so mm. it's really important for us to pay attention to our thoughts, whether it's if we're on social media or watching the news, you know, or whatever it is, try to remember and kind of reality check yourself. Well, is there evidence yeah. this, that the whole world is bad? Is it true that no one likes me? You know, and, and really challenge those negative thoughts. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, that has to be, I mean, I, I personally feel like that is a very challenging thing to yeah. do because you're in your own head. <laughs> and I really think that that's where talking to someone who is sort of out of your circle can be useful, yes. you know, and getting that outside perspective, which mm-hmm. is really where therapy comes in, right? Absolutely. And see, so in my current job, I actually counsel law enforcement. Um, and a piece of that is that they see negative things all day. You know, they hear and see really awful things. And so it does, I think, take an objective party, you know, like myself or somebody who isn't in that job to really open up that perspective and say, well, you know, let's look at the good things that you did today. Let's look at the good things that are happening in the world. It's really important to keep that perspective. They're so lucky to have you over there, Megan. We (laughs) really are. Uh, I, I think I think all the time about what a, a wonderful resource you are um, to DPS and, you know, just how happy I feel that the troopers have you there to go in and talk to that, you know, just kind and li- kind person who's willing to listen and kind of talk through those challenging yeah. things because it's not easy, um, certainly, all the things right. people see. I had a news app on my phone recently uh-huh. that would pop up like, Breaking news, you know, a person was shot in East shooting. Yes. Yeah, and exactly. I, I took it off because yeah. I could feel like all day Yes. there's breaking news. And it yes. was a shoot. And I think about for our first responders that are out there actually in those, in those, scene, on those scenes, in those scenarios, mm-hmm. doing that work, you know, it, mm-hmm. it is going to play a toll um, oh, on their health. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like, you know, like you said, it takes real work and real focus to try to change our thought patterns. Um, and it's, it's not that that isn't their reality. That is their reality. You know, yeah. but we also have a very, very big choice in the way in which we go about living and the way that yeah. we choose to perceive the world. And, yeah. you know, there's so, so much research that states if you live in a negative space in your head, you're going to live in a negative space in the world, you know, and yeah. so it's up to us to change that. And what do you do when you're lonely personally? Well, I feel pretty lucky in that I have, number one, a wonderful partner, wonderful friends. And I'm not saying that, you know, I have a huge friend group. I have three probably really close friends that know me and know me very well and and kind of know what my needs are when I'm feeling mm-hmm. down. And, and so part of that, I think, is also educating people in your world. Like, what do you need? And yeah. so, um, but also, I I love gratitude. Gratitude is like my go-to tool that I use for almost everything. Meaning when I'm having a hard day or, you know, things have just not gone well, I really, really try to focus on what 
I am thankful for in the world. And, you know, it could be something so simple, just like taking this walk and seeing all my neighbors out here and, you know, seeing the beautiful, just our park, you know, and just nature and connecting yeah. with nature, small, small things that, you know, I think we take for granted. But if you focus on those things, there's a lot of research out there that says it actually um, creates a, a more positive mood over time. Mm, and I've yes. experienced that. So I also have a gratitude journal um, that I try to write in. I, I can't say I do it every day, although that's uh-huh. my um, but I, I do it at least um, a few times a week. That's great. I have a gratitude journal as well, and I try to do it. I mean, I'm, I try to do it with my coffee in the morning. Oh, yeah. I probably do it. I probably do it, you know, at least weekly. And what yeah. I really love about that, too, is being able to reflect back on my past gratitude because mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of helps you to connect back to a memory or a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm grateful for my dog that's laying next to me while I'm doing my work or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yes. Know? Um, Small things, but huge things. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It sure does. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for going for this walk with me, Megan. You're such a um, wonderful light in the world, and I appreciate all you do for the state of Texas. And I'm looking forward to your webinar next week. Thank you so much, Lacey. I'm looking forward to it, too. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Walk and Talk. I hope you took away a lot of information that you can use moving forward. If you'd like to learn more about this topic, I hope you'll join us for the webinar, Fighting Back Against the Loneliness Epidemic, featuring Megan on May 20th of this month from 10 to 11 a.m. If it's prior to May 20th, you can sign up for the webinar. And if it's after May 20th, you can listen to the recording of the webinar. You'll find all this information in our show notes. And if you have any questions, please email me at lacey.wolf at ers.texas.gov. I hope you're subscribed to the show. If you're not, please hit subscribe so you will get updates as we produce more episodes of Walk & Talk. Have a wonderful rest of your day.